Okay, well, good morning. Uh, great to be together, to be able to worship together. Um, and uh, we are continuing this morning in our series, We Believe, uh, in which we are affirming the Apostles' Creed. And so this morning, we're going to look at this declaration that we find in the Creed that says, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And I wonder as we get started this morning, what comes to your mind when you hear the Holy Spirit? When you think of the Holy Spirit, what comes into your mind? I have to admit, having grown up in the age of Star Wars, it's not far from my mind. When I hear the Holy Spirit, uh, I hear Obi-Wan's voice, right, saying, use the force, Luke. Let go, right? And those famous words uh, from Obi-Wan where he describes the force as kind of being this, this thing that binds all living things throughout impersonal kind of energy. And it may sound silly to kind of associate something like as important as the Holy Spirit with the force of Star Wars. But I mention that because I think it's actually more common than we might want to admit that we tend to think that way. Even in the church, that we can think of the Holy Spirit as kind of this impersonal force or energy. In fact, uh, in 2009, the Barna Group surveyed almost 2,000 Christians about kind of essential beliefs of the Christian faith. And almost 58% of them, of those surveyed, remember this is Christians, self-identifying followers of Jesus, uh, described the Holy Spirit as a non-living, impersonal power or force in the world. It's almost 60% of Christians think that way about the Holy Spirit. And so I, I don't know what you think about when you hear the Holy Spirit. Uh, maybe you think of a force or a power. Maybe you grew up in a tradition um, that actually has left you feeling a little skeptical or even cynical about the Holy Spirit uh, because of your experience. It was a, a negative one. Maybe you grew up in a tradition where you had a great experience with the Holy Spirit. When you think of the Holy Spirit, you think of a powerful spiritual moment in your life. Or maybe you think about the gifts that you've received in the Holy Spirit. You think of the fruit the Holy Spirit has borne in your life. Or maybe you're a relatively new Christian, or you grew up in a tradition that just never talked about the Holy Spirit, kind of like I did. And so maybe you don't know much about the Spirit and want to know more. You've got a lot of questions. So regardless of kind of where you're coming from, when it comes to the Holy Spirit. As we consider uh, what it means to believe in the Holy Spirit, what I want to encourage all of us to do is to actually start from the same place when it comes to the Holy Spirit. That when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, that we would be looking to the same source for how to answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit? And what does the Holy Spirit do? And how does the Holy Spirit work in our lives? That we would all begin by looking to God's word to help us understand who the Holy Spirit is. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, and so I want to encourage you to go ahead and grab a Bible. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one of the Bibles we've got in the seat backs near you. Uh, but I want you to be able to follow along. We're going to be going through uh, John 14, chapter 14, through 16. So I'm going to be kind of doing a survey of those three chapters. And if, if you've never read John 14 through 16, I really encourage you to do that. It's a great place to look if you're trying to learn about the Holy Spirit, because it's where Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, actually talks a lot about the third member of the Trinity, Jesus. So that's where we're going to look. We want Jesus to tell us about the Spirit. So we're going to look at John 14 through 16. And as we do, I want us to consider three questions about what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit. So first, who is the Holy Spirit? Second, what does the Holy Spirit 
do? And then third, what does it mean to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Okay, so who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? And what does it mean to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? So first, who is the Holy Spirit? So again, we're going to go straight to Jesus, John 14, verse 16. This is what Jesus said. Just read these verses. Jesus said, I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper who is going to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So just a little context. Jesus is about to go to the cross. This is before he's died and risen from the dead and returned to the Father in heaven. And so this is a moment where he's gathered with his disciples, and they are feeling anxious, overwhelmed, uh, even abandoned, potentially, because they're sensing, and Jesus is explaining, he's going to leave them. Now, in the moment that they're, they're kind of absorbing this, Jesus makes this amazing promise. And the promise that he makes is that he and the Father together will send someone to be with them when Jesus returns to heaven. And who is going to be sent? It's the person of the Holy Spirit. And that promise gets fulfilled at Pentecost. That's what we read about in Acts chapter 2 and 3. And so who is this Holy Spirit? Jesus is telling us a couple of very important things here uh, in John chapter 14. Let me just highlight two of them. First, notice that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, the Spirit is a him, as Jesus talks about. Not an it, in other words. It's very important. Not a force or a power, but a person. And so then the question is, well, what is a person? Well, a person, uh, for example, is someone who has a mind, right? who, who can think, who can reason. A person is someone who has affections. They, they feel, they experience things. A person has a will, right? They can consciously choose and make decisions. And so when we say that the Holy Spirit is a person, that's the sense in which we're talking about this Holy Spirit being a person. He's not human, Right? It's not that he's human. He is a person, though, and he has a mind and affections and a will and even a personality. Right? So that's what we mean when we say the, the Spirit is first a person. That's how Jesus talks about the Spirit. So first, he's a person. Second, the Holy Spirit is a member of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is a member of the Trinity. Here in John 15, that comes out really clear. Right? If, you, if you look at John chapter 14 and 15, when Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, even in the verses I just read, he talks about the fact that the Spirit is coming from where? From the Father and the Son. You've got Father, Son, and Spirit all right here together. And so you've got Trinitarian language. Jesus is talking about all three of the persons of God. And so that's the Trinity. So what, what is the Trinity? All right, so let's kind of drill down on, on that one. Uh, what is the Trinity? Well, the Trinity in, in a biblical sense of this word is a mystery. Right? It's, a, it's a mystery. Now, when I say it's a mystery, I don't mean that it's like an unsolvable riddle. Uh, that's not what, what the Bible is kind of getting at when it talks about mystery. So like when Paul talk about, talks about the mystery of the gospel that's been revealed, he's talking about something that's now being understood that was not understood before. It's being revealed and so in a sense, the Trinity is the revelation of God. It's, it's something that is a mystery in this sense, that we can't fully under, uh, comprehend it, but we can understand it. Right? 
So we can't fully comprehend it, but we can kind of understand this idea of the Trinity. So the mystery of the Trinity is this, that God is one and God exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is the mystery of the doctrine of the Trinity. And that's what the Bible teaches. That's where this comes from. So whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament. So for example, in the Old Testament, uh, the Bible teaches that God is one. He is one God. In fact, if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, what you'll find in verse 4 is a prayer that is still uttered daily by faithful Jews today. It's called the Shema. It's a prayer that says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is one. So that's present in the Old Testament. It's also present in the Bible that, <clears throat> that there are uh, three persons within God. Very clear that there's three persons. Matthew 28 might be the best example of this, one of the best examples in the New Testament of the personhood of God, the Trinitarian form of God. So the Bible says in Matthew 28, Jesus' final words to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of God, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus himself reveals the Trinity to us in Matthew 28. So the question is, well, how can both of these things be true? How can God be one and God be three persons? Here's here's the answer. We don't know. (laughs) We don't know how is that possible. We, We don't know how that both those things can be true. And this is where we get in trouble because we like to know. Right? In our post-enlightenment kind of reality, we like to know, know, know. We want the answer. We want to understand. And if we can't understand, we're not sure it's, it's worth kind of investing in or trusting. We're skeptical. And yet, here we're faced with something that we can't fully comprehend. And maybe we can understand part of. We can't fully comprehend it. So here's what we have to resist is the impulse when we encounter the Trinity to try to make it more understandable through things like bad theology and bad analogies. This is what I mean. So the Trinity, you may have, maybe you've heard this before. This is probably less of a temptation for most of us. The Trinity actually communicates that there's three gods. Maybe you've heard that before. That's a heresy, right? That's not what the Bible teaches, that there's actually three different gods. There's how many gods? One God in three persons. Another uh, heresy that comes up throughout church history is that God actually is one God, but he takes on three different forms, Right? He, like, he transforms, and sometimes he's the Father, and sometimes he's the Son, and sometimes he's the Holy Spirit. And that's called modalism. Uh, and so I, I've used this analogy, and I'm going to encourage you not to use this analogy because this is actually not true. Have, has anybody ever heard, oh, well, the, it's kind of helpful to think about Trinity like water, right? Like you've got water, and you've got ice, and you've got kind of like steam or water vapor. And that's, that's what the Holy Spirit like. I mean, that's what the Trinity's like. Wrong. That's actually not what the Trinity, I've taught that before, and that's modalism. That's God changes his form depending on what he's doing and where he is. That's not, again, what scripture teaches. It also is not helpful to talk about the Trinity as a three-leaf clover, all right? So I've done that too, okay? So I'm just, I'm just owning these, so you're in good company if you've done all right? It's also not helpful to talk about the Trinity as, as an egg, okay? Have you ever heard this, like shell? White yolk, right? Oh, that's the Trinity, all right? So that's a picture of three in one, right? 
That's a, that, so we're, we're still missing it, right? Because we're trying to make it something we can understand. And my point is this. Like, we need to resist the temptation, right? To try to boil it down to something we can really get our hands on. It is a mystery. Here's another thing, just real quick. The, the Trinity is not a hierarchy. I think sometimes I fall into this trap. I, oh, there's the Father. He's like the top dog. And then he sends Jesus. You know, he's at the right. He's number two. And then third string, Holy Spirit, right? Like, we can kind of think that way about the Trinity. And that's not true either. One God, one God, three persons. The Bible is clear. This is what we can say absolutely, confidently about the Trinity. The Trinity is that one God exists eternally in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, having said that, there's some things that we can know about the Trinity. And this is going to help us understand the Spirit. Right? Because what we can know about the, about the Trinity is that all three persons are God. And so what does that mean about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God, fully and completely God, not less than or kind of after, like, he is God. And we should talk about him and we should treat him as God and nothing less. It also means that What's true of God in the Bible is true of the Holy Spirit. I think this is really helpful. This has been really helpful for me as I reflect on the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is God. He's not just a piece of God or a part of God. He is God. Just like Jesus is God and the Father is God. And so the Spirit does the things that God does. The Spirit creates. The Spirit speaks. The Spirit teaches. The Spirit loves. We can sin against the Spirit. We can grieve the Spirit, right? We, we can quench the Spirit. We can, we can talk with the Spirit. We can pray to the Spirit. All the things that we do with God, we can do with the Spirit. So I don't know, maybe that gives you a little freedom in the way you think about the Spirit. The Spirit is God, and so we can interact with the Spirit as God. A lot more we could say there, but I think the, the main two things I want us to take away that I think will be helpful as we're trying to understand who does the Bible teach us the Holy Spirit is. One, the Spirit is a person. And that that person is the second or third member of the Trinity, right? Those two things, person and part of the Trinity. So that's what Scripture teaches us about who he is. Second question is, what does the Spirit do? What does the Spirit do? The Spirit, because the Spirit is fully God, um, can do all things that God can do, right, in a sense. But there's also a unique role that the Holy Spirit plays, that's what Scripture teaches us. The Father and the Son, we see that here, send the Holy Spirit for a particular purpose. Sometimes this difference of role within the Trinity is referred to as the economic Trinity. And all that's telling us is um, that, uh, that basically, think about like your home, the economics of your home, right? In your home, maybe with other people, right? Or when you were growing up, you had family members who had different roles, within your family. And the, Holy Tr- the, the Trinity has a, has a similar dynamic within itself. It's almost like a household, and there's an economic to it, and there's different roles that the Father and the Son and the Spirit play. And so in this um, chapter, these chapters, John 14 through 16, Jesus describes the role of the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of things that he tells us about it, which is why I encourage you to go and read it for yourself. But maybe if we could just broadly sum it up in three categories. And I got this from a book by Al Mohler that I highly recommend called Apostles' Creed. But he kind of summarizes the ways that the Spirit works into these three categories. Abide, teach, and testify. 
This is what the Spirit does. This is what Jesus describes. So first, the Holy Spirit abides. John 14, 17. Look at that verse. 14, 17. Jesus makes this incredible promise that even though he's going away, the Spirit is going to come. And not only is the Spirit going to come, the Spirit's going to come dwell with us and in us. That's what Jesus says. The Spirit will dwell with us and in us. The person of God in the Holy Spirit is going to dwell in you. That's the amazing, earth-shattering promise that Jesus is making that was realized on Pentecost and has been realized over and over and over in the life of every follower of Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. Now, this was coming in a moment where the disciples were afraid, right? They were unsure that Jesus was going to leave them. They knew, and they had followed him, given their lives to him, loved him, banked everything on him, and he was going to leave. This is what had come, become clear to them. He was going to leave And what he says is, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He says that. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. My presence, even though physically it will be removed, my presence with my spirit will be with you. And so John 16, 7, Jesus says, look, it's even better that I go away so that my Holy Spirit can come. Why is it better, right, if Jesus is not here physically with us? Sometimes we think, oh, if I had just been there with Jesus, that would have been way better if I could have just physically been. And Jesus says, wrong. It actually is better that I'm gone because now my Holy Spirit is here because now my presence won't be limited to the here and now. My presence, intimacy with me, will be experienced by all those who put their faith in Jesus. You can actually have the Spirit in you if I go away. That's why Jesus said that. It's better that I go away. So the coming of the Holy Spirit was this gift. It was this explosion, right? Across time, across the earth. It was just this explosion of the presence of Jesus into the lives of those who put their trust in him. All down through history, the Holy Spirit has come into our lives. And so when we put our faith in Jesus, we receive that gift. When we're baptized in the Spirit, when we come to him in faith, in our conversion, we enter into life in Christ, and that life enters into us. By the Spirit, God's presence is in you. His power is in you. His love, his peace, his joy, his truth, his wisdom is in you because he is in you. So the Spirit, the personal empowering presence of God, uh, comes to abide with us. So that's the first thing the Holy Spirit does. The second thing is the Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit teaches. Flip over to uh, verse 26 in John 14. This is what Jesus says there. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus was uh, a teacher, an amazing teacher, not just a teacher, but he was a, a, an incredible teacher, and he wanted his teaching to continue even after he left. And so how is his teaching going to continue? Through his spirit. The spirit continues the ministry of teaching of Jesus. And so that's why Jesus, in part, refers to the Holy Spirit as a helper. The Holy Spirit is a helper and the spirit of truth. He's called over and over in these three chapters. The spirit of truth, or who brings truth. And it's because the spirit loves to teach. The spirit loves to to teach and to train and to equip and to form and shape us. The Spirit loves to do that because Jesus loved to do that. And so the question is, well, how does the Spirit teach? This is, I think this is really important because I think this is where we get derailed really quickly if we're not careful. How does the Spirit teach? The Spirit teaches preeminently 
primarily through God's Word. The Spirit teaches us through God's Word. And that's so important because we cannot understand the Spirit apart from His Word. We can't actually teach or preach or share what is true without God's Word in the Spirit. We can't understand our experiences or recognize the Spirit's voice in our lives without Him teaching and revealing Himself through God's Word. And so that has to be the starting point for all of us when it comes to our relationship and our encounters with the Spirit. The Spirit loves to teach, and so He's come to teach us God's Word, to train and equip us. And so what that means for us as followers of Jesus is that our fundamental posture in life is that of a learner. We're fundamentally learners. We're students. We're apprentices, disciples uh, of Jesus through the Spirit. We submit to the instruction and leading of the Spirit as our teacher. And so one of the most fundamental marks of a Spirit-filled church is actually a deep and growing hunger for the Word of God. So if you want to know, man, is, is, is this a spirit-filled church ever visiting somewhere? Do they love God's word? Let that be a huge indicator for you as to whether or not it's a spirit-filled church. The Holy Spirit gives us the scriptures, opens our hearts to understand the scriptures, and empowers us to live in light of them, manifest, in other words, the scriptures in our lives. And so that's the second thing the Holy Spirit teaches. Third, the Holy Spirit testifies. The Holy Spirit testifies. Flip over to John 15, verse 26. 15, 26. Jesus said, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. He will bear witness about me. I just want to draw your attention to one thing. Notice the ultimate aim. Notice the ultimate aim of the Spirit's witness. Notice who the me is at the end of this sentence in verse 26. Who is the me? It's Jesus, right? It's not me. (laughs) It's not you, right? It's not gifted teachers or preachers. It's, it's, It's not even, interestingly enough, it's not even the Spirit himself. Notice that. The Spirit himself doesn't draw attention to himself. He always is about Jesus. That's what Jesus is telling us. Dale Bruner, one of my um, favorite Bible teachers ever. I took a class with him. He's like 90 years old now and still teaching. Loves the Lord, loves scripture. But he, he taught on John 15. And I'll never forget this. What he did was he pulled out a, a big dry erase board. And on the dry erase board, he, he drew like a stick picture and said, this is Jesus. He like laid JC. And then he said, I want, to, I want to show you what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is. This is what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is. And then he stepped behind the dry erase board, and he stuck his finger around the side. So all you could see was his finger, and he pointed at the stick figure of Jesus. And he said, the Holy Spirit's whole purpose is to point us to Jesus. That's what, he's the helper, right? He's the teacher. He's the one who testifies to who Jesus is. I've never forgotten that image because what he, he, he wrote a book, and it's a great little book. It's called The Holy Spirit, The Shy Member of the Trinity. And that's what he's getting at. It's this whole idea that the Spirit comes to point to Jesus. And so if we want to see a church marked by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, what we want is to see a church that loves Jesus and is growing in its affection for Jesus. It can be a trap here 
We can seek after signs and wonders, right? We can actually make it about things that are not about Jesus. We're all tempted to do that in all kinds of ways. And the Spirit's work, its role is to testify, to point us back to Jesus, back to Jesus, back to Jesus. So, if we want to be a Spirit-filled church, we should ask the Holy Spirit to fan our affection for Jesus. And then He takes care of the rest. If our affections are growing for Jesus, if we're lifting him up, the lost will be saved, right? Bodies will be healed. People will be delivered. Lives will be changed because Jesus is being lifted up. And so a spirit-filled church is growing in its affection for Jesus because that's what the spirit does. It testifies about him. Okay, a lot more we could say about the ministry of the Spirit. I mean, we didn't even touch on spiritual gifts or the fruits of the Spirit. You know, we'll save that for another day. But again, I just encourage you, John 14 through 16, read it yourself. Um, as we come to the last question, what does it mean to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? So this is just interesting. As I was preparing this week, um, it, it occurred to me that, man, I, I think we talk a lot about relationship with the Father, Right? Like he, he's adopted us, we're his children. We talk a lot about our relationship with the son, right? We, we can kind of get our heads around those two. But then when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we don't really talk about our relationship with the Holy Spirit very often. Have you ever noticed that? I, it just kind of stood out to me that we hardly ever talk about a relationship with the Holy Spirit. But if the Holy Spirit is a person, right, then we can actually have and live in a relationship with him. The same way that we talk about the Father, the same way we talk about the Son, we should talk about the Spirit. We can live in a relationship with the Spirit. And so getting to know the Holy Spirit or building a relationship with the Holy Spirit is a lot like building any other kind of meaningful relationship in your life. This is just helpful for me. So maybe I thought it might be helpful for you when you're thinking about how do we live in a relationship with the Spirit? How do we get to know the Spirit? Or as Paul says, how do we walk in the Spirit? Um, so three simple things. So just trying to get practical uh, having a relationship with the Spirit. Here's three things you can do. One, it's going to blow your mind. Get ready. Spend time with the Spirit. Spend time with the Spirit. I know it sounds simple. It sounds easy, but, but just spend time with the Holy Spirit. If you want to get to know someone, what do you do? You just hang out with them. You got to spend time with them. You got to be present with them. Now, this can feel strange. Easier said than done. The Spirit's not physically like here, you know, like I can't hang out <laughs> with the Spirit. But I do think we can actually spend time with the Spirit in meaningful ways. And again, the, the place to start, the place to start in spending time with the Spirit is in the Word. Immerse yourself in the Scriptures. And so just to get, just give you an entry point, maybe if this is new for you with the Holy Spirit, here, here's just something you can do. You can go online. There's a website called BibleGateway.com, okay? Go on there, and you can do a word search for Holy Spirit, and it'll give you all kinds of verses on the Holy Spirit. Maybe start with the New Testament, but then I encourage you to go back into the Old Testament too, but start with the New Testament, and just maybe if you have a journal or someplace you can write down, and just write down all these references, and then go through the Scripture and just read what the Bible actually says about the Spirit. And here's what begins to happen when we begin to seek the Spirit in the Word. We actually begin to encounter the Spirit Himself. It's not just an academic exercise. We are opening ourselves up to the Spirit himself. And so if we spend time in the Word and we say, yes, I want to learn about you, Holy Spirit. Would you teach me through your Word? Then we actually encounter him. And so it's the best place to start. Start with the Bible. 
Learn about the Spirit from the Word. And as you do, you will encounter the Spirit and you'll learn more about Him. And it's interesting, there's kind of a back and forth that begins to happen. As you know the Spirit more through the Word, the Spirit gives you a deeper and stronger hunger for more of the Word. And so it's this beautiful thing that can happen in the Word with the Holy Spirit. So first, spend time with the Holy Spirit. Primarily begin in the Word. Second, talk with the Holy Spirit. Talk with the Spirit. Now this may be getting us out of our comfort zone, right? Talk with the Spirit. Pray to the Holy Spirit. Don't let it just be an academic exercise of study. Talk with him. Now, you don't have to make this weird, okay? You don't have to make it weird to talk to the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying you have to walk down the sidewalk talking out loud to the Holy Spirit. But, you know, when you wake up, you can, you can pray and talk to the Holy Spirit. You know, when you're driving in your car by yourself, when you're on your way to have a conversation with someone, you can just say a, a simple prayer in your mind. Holy Spirit, would you help me as I enter into this conversation, as I sit down to do this work? Can you help me and be present with me and make me aware of your presence? I would say talk about the Holy Spirit with your friends. There are people that have been walking with the Spirit for years, decades in this room. That If you just want to know more about the Spirit, ask them. Tell me more about your life in the Holy Spirit. And talk about it with people. Ask questions. We, we should be a community that talks about the Spirit because uh, we talk with the Spirit. See how that works? We, we kind of have this dynamic in our community where we talk about the Spirit. So just one, one little analogy. I heard this uh, this week about the Holy Spirit, and it challenged me because here, here's what. You may believe in the Holy Spirit, right? So if you believe in the Holy Spirit, that's great. But do you actually have a relationship with him? Do you actually talk with him? Do you spend time with the Holy Spirit? And this was the analogy. So imagine if you and I went out to lunch this afternoon after the service, and we rode over together, we, we waited together, we sat together, we ate together, and then we, we, we left, and that entire time, we never spoke to each other, right? Let's say we did that every day for a week, or every day for a month, but we never spoke to each other. Would we actually have any kind of meaningful relationship? Now, you would believe that I was there, that I sat there and had lunch with you, but you see what I'm getting at? This, there's this dynamic, I think, sometimes with the Spirit. Yeah, I believe in the Holy Spirit, but we never talk to Him. We never engage with Him. We never acknowledge His presence. And so there's this invitation from the Spirit to talk with Him, just to talk with Him. And it's that, it's that simple. And then three, ask Him to do what the Bible says He will do. Ask the Holy Spirit to do what the Bible says He will do. So let's say you're struggling to overcome sin in your life. Have you asked the Holy Spirit to help you overcome that sin? Maybe you have, but keep asking. Maybe you haven't, and you need to. Ask the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 13. Again, this is how we know that we can ask this because it says in God's word, by the Spirit, we can put to death the deeds of the body, and we can live. We can Kill sin, is what Paul says. How do we do it? By the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're struggling to have patience with your kids, right? If, you're, if you and your spouse are having a hard time, right? If you are having difficulty with patience with your boss or with an employee, one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience, right? So <clears throat> Galatians 5.22, ask the Holy Spirit to give you patience, Ask the Holy Spirit to bear the fruit of patience in your life, in your relationships. Ask him to heal. 
Ask him to deliver. Ask him to embolden you to share the gospel with that neighbor that you've been talking with and talking with and talking with and never quite have the courage to mention Jesus or to say anything about church, right? Ask him to help you be generous, to grow in your faith. He will help you in all these things. He is in you, and he loves you, and he wants to do these things in and through you. And so ask him to do what the Bible says he will do. So spend time with the Holy Spirit, talk with the Holy Spirit, and ask him to do what the Bible says he will do. So again, I want to encourage you, just in closing, I want to encourage you to go back to John chapter 14, 15, and 16, to read through those chapters uh, and, and ask God to help you understand who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, and how you can actually have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, we're, we're going to move into um, just a time of prayer. And as we do this, I, wanna, I want to ask the Holy Spirit for something this morning. Um, and I want to invite you to ask the Holy Spirit for something this morning. And what I want you to ask the Holy Spirit for is, is simply this. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Now, this is something that may be new to you or it may be out of your comfort zone to ask for this. Um, but this is something that the Holy Spirit wants to do and promises to do and loves to do. He loves to fill us as God's children. And so we're going to ask him to fill us. Paul actually says in Ephesians 5, 8, be filled, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're asking the Holy Spirit to do something he wants uh, he wants to do. Let me just say a couple of things as we're doing this. When you come to faith in Jesus, you receive the fullness of the Spirit. Right? You receive all of the Holy Spirit there is to give because you receive everything in Christ. Right? And so I just say that because sometimes there's different teachings about like kind of what filling and baptizing, we can get all kind of turned around. There's a a moment where we come into faith in Jesus and we receive all the Spirit. The scriptures are also very clear. There are subsequent fillings of the Spirit, moments when the Holy Spirit uh, comes to us and anoints us or, or, or fills us with his power for, for special moments or because of a need that we have or someone around us needs. So that's what we're asking for, is we're asking the Holy Spirit to fill us in this moment. And just to give you just a, a quick picture of what this can look like. So last week, uh, before the service, I uh, went down and was in the education building, and the prayer team uh, was gathered. So we're in a group that's open to anybody, anytime, can come and pray before the service. And they had gathered to pray, uh, and I just was kind of passing through, and I said, would you guys mind praying for me <laughs> really quick? And it was amazing. They stood up, they laid hands on me, and they prayed for me. And they just prayed that the Lord would speak, and that the Lord would move in our midst as we worshiped, and he would empower me to, to proclaim the gospel. And fill me and anoint me with this Holy Spirit. And, and I can just say, like, in that moment, I felt the peace of the Lord. I could just, you could just feel it. And sometimes for me when this has happened, it's not, it doesn't happen a lot, but sometimes when people are laying hands on me, you can, it's almost like you can feel something being poured on you. Like, I, I don't know how else to describe it. Like, it's almost like hot oil or something. You can just, like, feel it, like, running down. And, it's, and the best word that comes to mind is just peace. And I had an experience like that last week. And I just felt peace. I was preaching on judgment. I did not have peace. Okay? I was nervous. It's a hard message to preach. But the Lord just gave me peace. And it was because the church gathered and prayed and asked the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does, to fill. And so sometimes it can look like that. Sometimes it's not as visible or not as experiential. Sometimes it comes later. Sometimes 
you know, we don't know what God's doing, but we just ask. Just ask him to fill. And so that's what we want to do this morning. And I just want to, part of my goal here is to break the ice for you. If you've never done this, let's just try it, and no one's going to get hurt, okay? <laughs> right? And, and, and some of you really need this. I think we all need this. We need the Spirit to fill us, to anoint us, to refresh us. And so I'm just going to pray, and what we're going to do is the, the, the expectation is not for some experience, Okay, let me just put you at ease. The desire here is to encounter the Spirit of God and let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit wants to do. I don't know what you need this morning, but the Spirit does. So we're just going to create some space for the Holy Spirit to minister. And so I'm going to pray, and in a few minutes I'll close. And, uh, and I don't know what's going to happen, and if nothing happens, that's okay. That's up to the Spirit, not us, okay? All right, so let, let's just bow our heads. We're just, just going to take a moment. We're not going to drag it out. We're just going to take a moment, and we're going to ask the Spirit to come and fill us. So, Jesus, we, we just come in your name, and we give you thanks for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, I thank you that in uh, Luke 11, you said that you, uh, you've given your Spirit to us. And, Lord, you, you said that even as as earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more so do you, our heavenly Father, long to give up, give good gifts? And the gift that you've given us and long to give us, you say, Jesus, is the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, right now, just in the calm and in the quiet, We just come before you. We open our hearts and our hands. And we say, Holy Spirit, would you come? We say, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us? And Jesus, you know exactly what we need. So would you come and fill us, Holy Spirit? We're just going to wait on you.